The world is full of superstars, and when you meet one, you know right away that that is what they are. And that, for me, is Sam Demma. And I am so excited for Sam to be keynoting at the Gap Year Frosh Week happening September 15th, 16th, and 17th. So if you don't have your tickets, head to cangap.ca slash frosh. Believe me, after listening to Sam today, you won't want to miss this event. Everything you need under one roof to get your Gap Year launching to its maximum and really, really, really make it the best year possible. So without further ado, here's Sam's Gap Year story. Welcome to the Gap Year podcast, where we explore the who, what, where, when, and why of gap years. It's real people sharing their stories, ideas, and experts diving deep into how you can make the right decisions in order to have a meaningful gap year. This is the place to be no matter where you are on your gap year journey. I'm Michelle Dittmer, your resident gap year expert. Let's jump right in. Welcome to the Gap Year Podcast. My name is Michelle Dittmer and I am your Gap Year expert and host of the show tonight. And I'm so excited to have Sam Demma here with us tonight. So I will let him do his own introduction because I will not do it justice. Uh, So Sam, welcome to the podcast today. Michelle, thank you so much for having me. All I'll say is I'm 20 years old. I'm an alumni gapper. I took a gap year back when I was 17. Super passionate about helping young people develop themselves personally and professionally. And talking to you has been a blast, whether it's off the podcast, and I'm sure it'll be a blast on the podcast as well. Amazing. Uh, you also have like a business. So we'll tell, is, is, that a, is that a thing? Am I making that up? No, it's totally true. Thanks for pulling it out of me. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a full-time speaker. I travel around North America speaking in schools, at conferences, for nonprofits, for companies. The message I spread is one of service and also social impact with an underlying message about how a small, consistent action can make a massive change, whether it's out in the world or in your personal life. I'm also a high-performance coach. All that means is that I help young people set goals, create visions for themselves, create morning routines, find accountability partners, and essentially develop themselves personally so they can go and pursue whatever they prefer professionally. And I'm also a son. I'm also a bachata dancer and salsa dancer. I'm also the boyfriend of a wonderful girl named Nikki and my own podcast host of a show called The High Performing Student, which you should go and hear Michelle on because the episode is going to be awesome. <laughs> See, you're just a little too modest. You've got so much amazing <laughs> stuff going on. And for anybody who's been listening to this podcast or anybody in the, the realm of gap years, you can understand why Sam is such a perfect fit to chat with today. Not only did he have his own gap year experience, but um, he has all these other elements of what make a really, really impactful gap year. And so We've got so much to talk to talk about today, so um, I'm gonna jump right into it. So you mentioned that you you had your own gap year. So tell us, like the Cole's Notes version, how did that come about? How did you make that decision to to take a gap year? Because as we all know, it's not the most common pathway. So where did that story start? 
it's a very unconventional start. It's a very unconventional catalyst and decision. It's not the average gap year decision where you just simply might not know what you want to do in higher education. So you want to take a year or maybe it was because you wanted to develop yourself. For me, my whole life, I want to be a pro soccer player. And around the age of 17, when you're a senior in high school, that's the prime time for a college in the U.S. to pick you up, to find you as a talent and say, we're going to pay for your higher education. Come play for us at our university. And I trained my whole life. I was in Italy for six months when I was 13, turned into a man overnight. I trained all throughout high school, got this division one scholarship opportunity to Memphis University. And unfortunately, I ended up having a bunch of knee injuries, a torn labrum in my right hip, two surgeries. I had to stop playing soccer. And this was supposed to be right before going to university. And I wasn't, I wasn't totally focused on education, although I told myself I'm going to get involved in kinesiology because that's closely tied to sports performance. And maybe one day I'll be a trainer or a coach or something like that. But the really thing, the real thing driving me was soccer. I'm going to go to a school and that's going to be my focus. It's going to be sports. And I remember after it all came crashing down, I mentally went down a terrible path. Physically, I was, I was already broken. My parents obviously were trying to support me and help me. My coaches trying to support me and help me. But it was ultimately an educator who's now retired, whose name is Mike Loudfoot, that encouraged me to try and use my time that I had left in high school in grade 12 uh, to test his principle. And he was a teacher who taught me that a small consistent action could lead to a massive change. I took on his challenge. I started applying it to my life by picking up garbage. Sounds really, really weird. Every day I'd walk home from school and I started asking myself, you know, what small action can I take? And I realized lots of trash, so I just started picking it up. That led to its own little initiative. And all this to say that after my second surgery in grade 12, I was building this like social impact volunteer project that I was really passionate about, but I was still chasing this dream to play pro soccer. And so I took a grade 13 first um, to try and, basically set myself up physically and mentally to get a scholarship. Uh, according to the NCAA, you can't actually take a year off when you're not enrolled in, a, in, in, an, in an educational institution because it takes away from your eligibility for scholarship money in your last year of, of university. So I had to stay another year enrolled in school, which I did. Took a grade 13, did a co-op job at a gym so I could work out and then practice at night while also building this passion project, which was pick waste because we pick up trash and pickering. It's like a trendy marketing name. And I did that for another whole year in grade 13. Soccer did not pan out. I was in no way, shape, or form ready for school. I didn't know what I was doing. I still broken mentally and now again physically. But underneath all this was this, this passion for pick waste and youth empowerment and speaking and the environment. And because I had so much societal pressure on me after that fifth year, uh, directly after the summer, I actually started school and I still consider this a gap year. And I'll tell you why, because I only went for about a month. And after the month, I broke down in front of my laptop and I told my parents, Hey, look, I can't do this. It's not working for me. I'm going to figure out something else. And like you mentioned uh, on another conversation we had, you should come to your parents with a plan. <laughs> and so <laughs> I was lucky enough to have put together something with Pickway saying that, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to speak in high schools about this. I'm going to build this initiative. We're going to keep four you know, four months worth of trash in our backyard and stacking in front of our old high school and get the news to come out. And, you know, we're going to call this organization and get them to donate gloves and them to donate bags. And I just want to see where this goes. And my parents agreed. And so 
if I had to answer your question, I would say it was a series of unfortunate events for me that led to a gap year, which turned out to be a blessing in disguise. And those unfortunate events were injuries, setbacks, um, I'd say not knowing what I want to do with my life. And it, I don't know, amidst all that chaos, I found this gift, which is being a gapper, <laughs> taking a gap year. Yeah. And you say that it's, it's not a conventional path. And the reality is, is everybody's gap year journey is so unique. And people are always and forever asking me, well, like, what, what do people do on a gap year? And the answer is like, I can't tell you because everybody is approaching it from a different perspective. They've got different things they need to get out of that year. So somebody who's taking the year off to recharge their batteries is going to have a completely different experience from somebody who needs to figure out which line of medicine they want to get into. Um, and there are so many students that I work with, probably about 30% of the people that come to me have started post-secondary um, and and it wasn't the right fit and they were they were pushed into it and that part breaks my heart because when they come to me they come to me at a deficit because they've attempted something they weren't ready for and they feel broken they feel like a failure and they have to build themselves up a little bit versus being proactive and saying you know what i'm not, I'm not ready um, i'm gonna take this this time and i'm gonna figure it out so um you are definitely not alone in that journey um but i think that your story is so um so accessible because you kind of took a step back and said well here are these five things i'm already doing how can i amplify those and how can i turn that into something really beautiful. Um, so, so tell me about what it was like to be on a gap year when maybe all your friends were somewhere else doing something else. What was that like for you? Yeah. Firstly, I want to reverse back to when you said a lot of students get pushed into it and you find them already in university. And I want to highlight there's this author named Malcolm Gladwell. I think you've read some of his books as well. Love he, him. He the, book, the Tipping Point. He's so good, right? Just Love so, him. So good. Yeah. Anybody listening, you yeah. should look. You should read that book. Um, and Outliers. He's got a yeah. bunch of really good ones. Every book he has is so unique. And right now, Blink might even be applicable with unconscious biases and all the stuff he talks about in there. Um, the thing that stuck out to me the most in his book, The Tipping Point, aside from spreading viruses <laughs> as a way to teach us how to start an initiative or spread an initiative, was the idea of social proof. He talked about the fact that there's this concept that essentially states that we learn by what we're seeing the majority of other people doing, or we, we, we learn what the acceptable behavior is by seeing what most people do. So not only are your parents after you graduate high school pushing you to go to post-secondary, but you also see millions of students just doing that and you start to you know, believe this is the acceptable behavior to take after you graduate and finish grade 12. And so anyone who's listening to this podcast that might not already be working with Michelle that's on the fence, like you're not alone. This isn't only your parents. You feel the pressure also because of society. Take a deep breath, reflect, and let that go and start a conversation. Hopefully someone here can help. Uh, that being said, my gap year was a very unique one. One of the most weird things that came out of my gap year was LinkedIn. Uh, I have a bunch of buddies. One of them's, one of them's named Lucas. He's about 23. He's also an entrepreneur. He talks to me all the time. We support each other, like daily phone calls, all that fun jazz. And we started going to these things called LinkedIn local. 
And it was essentially events where people who use LinkedIn can all meet up and just network and meet each other. And I met so many freaking cool people going to these things. I probably went to like 15 of them before I was like, enough is enough. But I made so many cool connections, met so many cool people. Uh, I started posting a lot of content on LinkedIn, uh, building a network of professionals. I met like TEDx speakers and CEOs of tech companies. And, and because we had our own little thing that we were already building, the intention to go there was to one, meet cool people, but to two, find those who could connect dots, support, introduce us to this mayor who could help us start this chapter. And so networking was a huge part of mine. Um, another huge part was, uh, was travel. And I didn't actually travel directly on my gap year, but right after the first year, I took a backpacking trip to Iceland. And it was a low budget trip, like very low budget. I just wanted to experience a different culture and kind of see a different part of the world. Um, we rented a car, me and a friend from high school, and we drove the entire country in 10 days, slept in the car on the side of the road. Very scary experience. Uh, we, we bought food in a different country. We met different cultures. We, we went and hiked mountains and did all this amazing, cool stuff. And I learned that I love experiencing other cultures and that's even carried over to when I went to Costa Rica and danced the bachata and salsa and fell in love with that to the point where I started taking dance lessons and, and falling in love with that stuff. Um, and this is all in like a heartfelt side of things, more on the professional side. I also met so many cool people. Some of the mayors in Pickering are now my buddies and some cool speakers who have been speaking for 25 years are now my mentors. I went to events like CAPS, the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers to try and surround myself with professionals who are speaking for a living and who can teach me and help me and maybe vice versa. I can teach them how to be cool, young and hip. And uh, oh, please like teach me that. <laughs> <laughs> you already know, but I, all you have to do is use the word yo and you're good yo. to go. <laughs> yo, yo, bro. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. And um, yeah, like surrounding myself with all these like-minded people was the coolest part. And, and you, you mentioned, you know, it's different because all your friends start school and you're not starting school. At first, all my friends were like, what are you doing, man? And I found, I found that when I was certain in my decision, they stopped questioning it or really caring. So usually when two people meet, the most certain person influences the other. And so my friends would ask me, you know, what are you doing? Like, I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm building this. I'm doing this. I'm meeting these people. I'm meeting that person. Boom, 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 boom. And they'd be like, damn, man, that sounds so cool. Like, keep it up. As opposed to like your friends kind of pooing on you and being like, dude, you should be in school. Just be certain after you make the decision. And I found that that's also helped me a lot as well throughout my own gap year experience. I love that. And I talk about it in, um, in terms of boldness. You have to have a certain amount of boldness mm. to take a gap year because you are bucking all these trends and you are throwing the rule book out the window. And you're, you're just saying like, you know what, this is, this is what's right for me and I'm going to do it. So some people say it takes confidence, but it doesn't take confidence because a lot of people don't have that confidence, but you have to be bold enough mm -hmm. to stand up for what is right for you. And if you feel that it is right for you, then you have to, you have to own it. Um, and, and I love that the way that you were able to capture that and, and share that with your buddies. And they were like, Oh, okay. Yeah. He's, he's got it together. Um, and you can, you can move mountains when you have that, that behind you. Um, but I do you just have to, you just have to, 
you have to look them in the eyes and say, yo, bro, this is, a, this is what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll go with it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'll bet you, because this is what happens with a lot of people, and you can correct me if this didn't happen to you, like when you're leading up to it and you're saying, this is what I'm going to do, people are often like, are you sure? And then by the time midterm hits that first year, they're like, oh man, you're doing such cool things. Like, I wish I was there. So like that boldness it takes at the beginning kind of comes back and, uh, and bites the people who just continued on for the sake of continuing on in the butt a little bit. <laughs> it's true. I can, I can validate that. I can also say when I first started, my parents were knocking on my door after a couple of weeks saying, okay, so what's the plan to go back to school? And I was like, stop rushing me. Like, I just decided to do this. I need a whole year to explore and figure this stuff out. So it's not only friends that will kind of, you know, nip you at first, but it's family as well. And everyone who thinks that maybe subconsciously your decision is not the right one, just stick with it. And again, midterm comes around or you start to get some cool results or your parents start to find you being more happy than they are. They're like, what did this kid learn about life that I didn't know? And, and they want to take a gap year from their life and stop feeding you and paying for your bills. <laughs> well, yeah, That's you got to reel them back in at that point, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Amazing. So now in your life journey, you chose not to head back to post-secondary right away. And so did your parents get on board with your journey or what was the tipping point for them and for you that you're like, no, this is, this is working for me and I'm happy and I'm healthy and I'm, and I'm successful. What, what, where did that come into play? Yeah. And I'll start by saying, I'm a big believer in education as well. And there might be a chance that I'll go back to post-secondary in the future. The thing that was the tipping point for me not to go back was I saw this future for myself in youth empowerment and in speaking. And I couldn't find like a really great program that taught you how to build a speaking career and go out and speak to kids that even so ever closely matched me actually going out and finding a speaker who did this for a living, paying them money and having them mentor me and teach me. So that was like the most valuable way for me to learn this particular skill. If you're being a doctor or a dentist, there's no really other way around it. You're not going to go into the mountain and find a monk who's going to teach you dentistry and you come down and you open your practice. It'll be very difficult. Yeah. I wouldn't um, sign up for your dentist for if that's what you is, did. Is, I wouldn't sign well, up for I mean, you if you, you, learned, if you learned it in the hills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's better, better yeah, paths you for be that. Careful, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. So it just depends on the, it depends on the vision and goals. Right. And at that point in my life, that was the vision and goals. And the other initiative was picking up garbage. I'm going to go get a degree in picking up trash and, and volunteering. Maybe a volunteering degree would be cool, but I was out there doing it and I loved it. And at first my parents were like, you know, what's going on? What are you doing? I will say this. There was two things that helped me pursue my passion and keep my parents on the sideline to a degree at the beginning. Cause now they totally supported it. But at the beginning they were a little apprehensive but the two things that helped me, the first was boldness and certainty. This is what I'm doing. I'm doing this. Here's my plan. Outlined it. Boom, boom, boom. Up in their face, explaining how it's going to be. That helped a lot. The second thing was actually getting some tangible results. And most parents will attach results to like some sort of professional development or professional goal, whether you're making money or meeting cool people or having lunch with a CEO or something that's like, Oh wow, this is, this is, this is going somewhere. And for me, when I started speaking, not right away, but after a little while, someone cut me a paycheck and it came in the mail and I was out somewhere and my dad opened the mailbox and pulled it out and said, 
what the heck? This guy's a check in the mail. This is pretty cool. And after seeing a couple of those, my dad started to, instead of push me back to school, push me in the direction that he saw me, one, enjoying and loving, and two, figured out could potentially be sustainable in the future. So I would say some sort of results. It doesn't have to be finance. It could be some other gr growth in your life. Maybe you have this big transformation um, in relation to your, your body or your, the way you think or how you do chores around the house. Who knows? But something changes and you grow dramatically or, or you have some like crazy result. Um, yeah. So I'd say that was like the, the big thing for me personally. And outside of that, I would say seeing me happy over a long period of time was also a big contributor for my parents. And then again, that's different for every family, but I'm sure that helped in the long run as well, because when I was broken down from soccer, all they wished for me was mental clarity and, and happiness and health. So to see me get back there, they weren't going to push me away too quick after they saw me break down. Um, and you know, fun fact, maybe sometimes that's what it takes is a tough conversation with your parents where you do cry. And I remember when I was in school for the, the one month I stayed it was October. I was staring at my laptop. My parents were out at dinner with friends and I called them on the phone crying, telling them I have to drop out. And right away, my parents were like, okay, honey, don't worry. Don't worry. Like, we'll come home. We'll talk about it later. And I came in that vulnerable state and they met me at that vulnerable state. And we had a vulnerable conversation where logic was removed and it was replaced with emotion and a heart filled and heart centered conversation. So I think that also really helped as well. Get your parents crying. It works. <laughs> you got to tap into their weak spot. And, and, and for yeah. every parent, I say this all the time, it, they want you to be happy, healthy, and successful. And sometimes they need a little yeah. bit of help to understand what path is going to get you to a place where you can be happy, healthy, and successful. And it might not be the traditional path that they envisioned for you. Um, and that's okay too. So whether you take a gap year and head back or you take a gap year and you find uh, another pathway, I did another podcast with uh, Nazra and she also chose not to go back. She got a full-time job and uh, has been super, super successful there. She makes more money than I do. Um, and she's just living her life and she's super happy. And some of the other gappers that I've, I've interviewed, they've gone back and, and they've approached their education with a whole new perspective now that they have some life experience under their belt. So there is no linear path. There is no right or wrong way to do a gap year and there is no right or way right or wrong way to live your life. You've got you've to define that for yourself and you have to really figure that out. So um, I'm glad you were able to get there and you were able to get the support from your parents um, to, to live the life that you want. And uh, your energy just like exudes out of you that you are living your, your dream and your passion. And um, it makes it that much easier to get out of bed in the morning, especially when we're all, uh, all living COVID <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so true. It's, it's so true. I used to need five alarm clocks. Now I just jump out. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not that simple, but it's, uh, it definitely helps when you align your work with your passion and you're doing something that you, you have deemed as purposeful because I think purpose is subjective and you're going to change your purpose hundreds of times throughout your life. Find something that you think is purposeful, work towards it. You'll have fun doing it and you'll be able to get out of bed without too much coffee. So yeah. Life goals. <laughs> So then with all of your life experience and wisdom under your belt, um, looking at people kind of coming down the pipe, maybe considering a gap year this year, um, or maybe just starting out on their gap year, what, what words of wisdom or tips or tricks do you have that you want to share with them? Yeah, this is an amazing question. And 
two months ago, I probably would have gave you a different answer. I think one of the best things about life is you're on this constant learning journey and your jewels or your revelations or your new insights will always change. I'm at a time in my life where I just had this amazing conversation with an older gentleman named Jason Brown, not too old. I think he's in his fifties yeah. <laughs> and um, he, he came on the zoom call and he was a tech entrepreneur. He had a career in Silicon Valley, he walked away from a huge company that he didn't know was going to turn into a huge company. And he walked away because he told me that over there it's pro it's, it's profit and success at all costs and at all costs also means people. And sometimes these companies have the, have the mandate to reach a financial goal at all costs. And he didn't want that. So he walked away, came to Toronto, started this really cool organization called drip drop. It's not even released yet. It's in a beta stage. And I was lucky to have a call with him. And at the end of the call, I asked him the same question you asked me. I was like, what piece of wisdom would you tell me? I'm 20 years old. If you were me right now, what would you have wished that you heard? And he was like, I would have kept score differently. And I was like, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, when I was in my 20s, I kept score by money. I kept score by what grade I was in or my, I kept score by my GPA. He said, I wish I could go back when I was 20 and keep score all throughout my 20s in relation to how much learning I was doing and how many new experiences I was acquiring. And he said, if I made money along the way, I would have just laughed. And that hit me to my core. I was like, wow, this is a wise dude. I'm going to listen to this advice. And it kind of shaped the way that I've changed my thinking in the past month or two months. And I'm sure it'll shape my thinking for the rest of my 20s. And every time I get caught up in that pressure of I'm not there yet, I'm not there fast enough, I need to go quicker. I remind myself, Jason Brown said, change your score. It's not about money. It's not about GPA. It's not about how fast you're going. It's about learning and new experiences. And if I'm always doing those two things for the rest of my 20s, I'm going to be super happy and excited. I love that. So, so much wisdom in that. And um, I'm, I'm glad you had that conversation so you can share it with my listeners too, because we, yeah. we, we're kind of like handed this scorecard by society and like the man and, and the world around us. And um, sometimes we just by default accept that. And we really have an opportunity to, to rewrite that and to figure out what we, what we need out of our life. And um, I'm going to, I'm going to make my own scorecard tonight uh, after we get off the, off this recording and just see like, what, what am I going to measure um, my success by? And I think um, that's a really good, really good uh, exercise for me tonight. Um, so cool. you are going to be joining us very soon for an event, which is going to be freaking awesome. We're going to have uh, the uh, a gap year frosh week. So for anybody who is not going to uh, formal schooling or doesn't have their own frosh week and they want some inspiration and some tips and tricks and uh, some insight into getting a, a really awesome gap year together, um, you're going to be speaking there. So do you have any, any little um, insider information as to what folks might expect from you there? Show up 100% fully present. Turn off your phone, turn off everything. We're doing it late at night so we get all of you, get everyone's attention. It's going to be game changing. It's going to be awesome. I'll also add if you're in school, you can still come. It's never too late. And there's also going to be great information, even if you're not a gap year student. Um, so I would encourage you to come. Maybe we can, we can actually transform you into a gapper. That's the hope. And it's going to be amazing. All I'll say is, don't want to miss it. Make sure you come. There'll be lots of yo's and bros and great conversations. So 
make sure you check it out. Amazing. Yeah, we're so stoked to have you there. Now, if folks uh, want to follow along and, and get caught up with you before Gap Year Frosh Week or after Gap Year Frosh Week, um, where can they find you? Absolutely. The best place is just on Instagram at Sam underscore Dema. The last name spelled D-E-M-M-A. And if you want to check out anything else, the next best spot is the website. And it's just samdema.com. And I, I love talking to students. I'm 20 years old myself. Maybe you're older than me listening to this. Please reach out. I love conversation. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. And I can't wait to have you at Frosh Week. So once again, if you want to hear more from Sam and our other amazing speakers that are going to help you to make sure that your gap year is going to be the best year, even in COVID times, make sure you head to cangap.ca slash frosh to pick up your ticket. You don't want to miss it.